0: This podcast is brought to you by Big Heads Media Podcasts. For more great podcasts, go to bigheadsmedia.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football podcast in association with Big Heads Media and Transfer News Central. George is here. Oh sound a bit croaky there John
1: and James
0: is here yeah he did yeah and James is also here long-time veteran of transfer news central I cut him off halfway through I do apologize for that um but yeah (laughs) for four four topics 15 minutes or less and it's covering all angles again we it's being recorded on deadline day so when this goes out some last minute things which we never saw happening might just suddenly appear and That's why we haven't covered it, essentially. We'll cover all of the latest goings on at this moment of recording, which is about half past eight UK time on a Monday. And in the second 15 minutes, we're going to look at Thomas Tuchel's impact at Chelsea. Obviously, last week we looked at why Frank Lampard left and and the, the, the issues that built up during his time at Chelsea in his second season. And now James is here to provide a good insight into... A little bit of that, but mainly looking forward onto, onto Thomas Tuchel and his and, and the, and the possibilities with his current tenure uh, at Stamford Bridge. Then we'll go on to club analysis, move away from the top six like we usually do with this and look at Everton, one of the worst performances I've seen from a team this season. I say that as someone who captained Dominic Calvert-Lewin in Fantasy Premier League, expecting expected them to overturn a Newcastle team that are in decline. The result was shocking. The performance was as well. But we'll look at the highs and lows and the possibilities for their season, as well as in the fourth topic, looking at uh, Italian football in Serie a, including a, a, a touch on last week's phenomenal Coppa Italia Milan derby, which was headlined by a big buster between Lukaku and Ibrahimovic. But first, we'll go to the first topic, which is which is transfers. Um, last day of the window. It's been a quiet window, Jordan, and I guess that's to be expected because of COVID. And yeah. not many, not many clubs want to get rid of the players, and many clubs don't have money or the money that they're no. used to.
2: And I think a lot of clubs are well aware that they're not going to get the best value in January. Mm. Uh, so it. Uh, th- at this point, it's more desperation, I think, than anything else that uh, are leading to these big transfers. And it's why it's been so busy today in comparison to the rest of the window. Would you agree, James? Absolutely, yeah. It's,
3: I wasn't, I'm not surprised it's been a quiet window. Uh, obviously, the, the effects of COVID on clubs' finances uh, and even just from a logistical point of view, getting, you know, getting players from abroad you know, and all the yeah. tests that they have to do a bit more difficult. Mm. Um clubs want to keep their money for the summer mm. um even even this summer's window could be effective so yeah uh it's very i wasn't expecting many many big deals or mm. many deals at all, and it looks like it's going to be the lowest spend in a January window for quite some time
0: yeah so, and, and obviously as you say context uh speaks for that uh in many ways, and i think the busiest team at least in in the premier league and and mainstream news has been liverpool really today because as we know jordan they've had a centre back crisis all season van dijk out for they most of the season gomez out for most of the season matip made of glass so it's been very difficult hasn't it to to for them and and this is th- those problems have been exacerbated with uh, further injuries again to matip and also fabinho as well struggling yes. so they've been a little bit busy today
2: they have indeed. So the two names, uh, Ozan Kabak and Ben Davies. Uh, not the two, Ben Davies, no. Not the I, Ben Davies, the, no. When I uh, first
0: is, read this, it did take my, me by surprise. And then I had to re-register my mind. The Preston North End central defender. Who's yeah, well, it's,
2: it's kind of mad, isn't it? They, they shouldn't really be allowed two players of the same name in the same league. Uh, maybe, maybe the Ben Davies will fight the Dead Bellies in the future. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it's quite obvious, isn't it, that Liverpool... We're in need of a centre-back and Mm. I'm actually a little bit, as an Everton fan, I'm a little bit jealous of the fact that they've come out on deadline day and they've spent the money uh, and they haven't even been taken for a ride, I don't think. They've done good business, which is something that you can't expect at Liverpool recently. Yeah.
0: Well, you've got to say, they have a uh, sports director, Michael Edwards, who's a genius. He's a genius when it comes to sorting new deals yeah, out. Unfortunately, he
2: is very good in the transfer window. He's he's probably better at selling players, but he's done mm. well this, this window. Because as I say, it was obvious they needed centre-backs and... They've not really overpaid, as I say.
0: Oh, oh by all accounts, um Liverpool the, the FSG have roughly given Liverpool five million pounds to spend, which I think's a bit pathetic. Even given the coronavirus times, yes, you can say that. But this is Liverpool Football Club, champions of England, Jurgen Klopp's basically Jurgen Klopp's built that up. Um on I'm not I, I don't I, I don't mean a shoestring budget, but you know what I mean. It's not it's not it's not spent yeah, they've more than the outgoing spent- a lot. Yeah.
2: Big money on big players, without Which have been spending vast sums in overall.
0: And the, and the ones that they have have been funded, like with Coutinho, 140 million pounds. So, I, I mean, I look at that and I, and, I, and I am a bit perplexed why they've only got five million pounds to spend uh, in a moment of crisis. But as you say, um, they've managed to get two deals. I mean, um, so Davies uh, was going; he was apparently going to sign for Celtic in the summer. Yep, and that was that was the move they made first. Talented young championship defender. Some are a bit surprised Liverpool's come in. I suppose it does look like it's a it's it's a it's a cheaper way of solving that crisis. But he's one for the future again, and he's going to come in. And it's and it's an initial five hundred thousand pounds. So goes up to two million pounds after that. You know. So that's that's the first one. And obviously, Kabak as well from Schalke. They were linked with him in the summer, and now they've got him initially on a loan or with, with a, a small loan fee attributed to that. And then if they want yeah. to get him in the summer, they spend £80 million, that fee rises to £26 million with add-ons. Um, yeah, I mean, James, where, would you concur that the £5 million apparent budget does seem a bit farcical given everything that Klopp's achieved, uh, even even in these crazy times?
3: Yes, absolutely. I think for, you know, for a club of Liverpool's size, I mean, you know, um, you know, Jordan mentioned it, in, the club of Liverpool's size, and what they've achieved, you know, I mean, when you win the title, there are even with even in COVID times there would be a substantial financial benefit to winning the title, you would think. Uh I mean certainly more than five million pounds. Uh, you would think, you know, and there was an article in the Athletic about Klopp kind of kind of calling out the board and the board being reluctant to spend much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got a set model that they use in terms of how much they spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he's I think Pop has earned the right to be given more money, Yeah. Uh, and that Liverpool probably could afford more money.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, but this is the model they've chosen, and I, I don't think either of them are bad signings. Like like, like Jordan no. said, they're good, they're good value. They're not overpaying. Yeah. They're not. They're good deals, both of them. And ultimately, if they had to sell, them, they'd probably make a profit on both of them. So, uh, I mean, I think the buy the the buy the the fee. The option to buy is for uh, is eighteen million. Yeah. On that, yeah. so
1: yeah,
3: um, they'd make a profit on that if they sold him because of his age. Yeah. Um. So, and, and and you know, if you think about it, um, you could sell, you could sell him on, you could sell the other guy onto 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 Celtic in the summer. Technically.
1: Yeah.
3: You've got Virgil van Dijk. And, and Dijon, Buy another centre back, you know. So yeah, because they've been linked with Upper Kano, haven't they, in the summer?
1: Yeah. Uh, everyone. I mean, yeah, well, every, yeah have, every big club. Chelsea <laughs> have.
3: I think those are the three clubs that are interested, aren't they? most mm-hmm. likely go to Bayern, but Yeah. Um but yeah. So yeah, no, good business and um but yeah, they could have backed him more, definitely.
0: Yeah. Sure. A win for a win for the um for the for the financial man. And who's got who's got a very tight budget to work with, I think, there. But um Absolutely. You, but but also again, as James said actually quite rightly, it's a good opportunity. Uh to two young players, develop them slightly, it's particularly with Debbie's only uh two million pounds, easy sell on for more money. And it's a model that Manchester City have actually used a few times, sign a few young players uh and then sell them on later uh for more extravagant money. And you seem to get that when you move to the big club initially, just that itself the value astronomically increases. Uh, And Kabak I think, will probably be more likely to feature of the two, given that they've already uh, been linked with him uh, from last summer as well. And um, even though he's in a Schalke team that's bottom of the league and he hasn't necessarily had the best season, as I said, (sighs) they already scouted him in the summer. His performances the season before and before that were noted. I don't think they signed signing him based on his form this season in a Schalke team that's at the bottom of the Bundesliga.
2: Plus, it's only an option to buy, which is... (laughs) I don't know how they've managed to do that deal to be honest it's, it's such a, yeah. it's a perfect deal for Liverpool and what they need which yeah. is why as I say I'm so surprised that they've been able to do that because yeah. I mean Absolutely. every club around Europe knew the situation Liverpool had they mm. could have asked for whatever they want if Liverpool want their centre back
0: yeah I think no. Very fair. I mean, enough about Liverpool there because it is a, it is a, uh, it's a, it's looking at a broad length at, at this day and a few of the deals from beforehand. As I say, it's been a quiet transfer window. But another one we talk about Schalke uh, and come back going to Liverpool, uh, going to yeah going to Liverpool, which has opened up the door for Mustafi to potentially go to Schalke. That looks like it's going to happen as well. Um, I mean, it's worth remembering that Mustafi James was a defender when he came to Arsenal that was highly regarded as one of the best in La Liga. Come to Arsenal, it's not worked out. He seemed to have a bit of a revival under Arteta when he first came in, but now in Arteta's first full season at the club, he's 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 fallen into the shadows again. So he probably needs a move. It can't get any worse for Schalke. He's not been brilliant for Arsenal, but he is an experienced defender, and he has, in the past, maybe before his time at Arsenal, shown his qualities.
3: Absolutely, yeah. He was when yeah, I remember when Arsenal signed him. Everyone thought it was a really, it was a kind of a coup, a good deal. You know, uh, he's not not showed it uh, consistently
1: mm.
3: uh, and I think that uh, for Schalke if you know an experienced head coming into that team you know because Kabak is like 20 years old I think isn't yeah.
2: he yeah 20
3: so you know you've got Mustafi coming in he's a bit more experienced might be a better fit for a relegation fight mm. um, he'll probably come straight into the team yeah, yeah um, that might, I think that, that's a good deal for them you didn't,
0: uh, you'd imagine if they do manage to stay up in the Bundesliga he might. Uh, I think it's on the loan deal at the moment, isn't it? So if he does stay up in the Bundesliga, they might sign him permanently. If not, I don't think he'll be going to the second tier in Germany. Uh, no. Of because you know he's a, he's a player with uh, a vast amount of experience in the top division. Uh, another another deal that that struck out to me uh, in a day of not too many deals was the uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles move to West Brom on loan. Um, Jordan, that does seem like a I think quite a very good signing for West Brom. I'm actually a little bit surprised well, he's has yeah.
2: there. I mean, he's, he's a, I think he's a really, really great player. And one thing about him that is really good is his versatility. And that's why I'm slightly surprised that Arsenal are letting him go because he's someone who hmm. can fill in at right-back, he can fill in at left-back, he can fill in in the midfield if you need it. Uh, so, so as I say, I'm surprised Arsenal letting him go. I think he's a really good player and it's a well, great signing for West I, Brom.
0: I think the player himself said they wanted to play midfield. A lot, yep. and they couldn't get that guarantee at Arsenal. But in West Brom, I think he walks in because at the moment they aren't doing very well. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that again, I think it speaks for itself. He's a he's a player that can certainly offer a bit more quality to a West Brom team that's that is massively lacking in it, particularly in midfield. And even for West Brom, he can play virtually, as you say, a, a whole array of positions. So he will be helpful in their fight against uh, relegation. Um. One that struck out for me... Well, actually, I could go to you on this one, Jordan, actually, on the list. John Joe, Kenny to Celtic, Everton yep. player, going yep. to club that are in a bit of a crisis, really, a long way off Glasgow Rangers at the top of the yeah. Scottish League. Well, it's, it's Good move really, he's,
2: gone alone. he's gone on loan to Celtic. It's not really the best time to join Celtic, where no. the fans are in a bit of a... <laughs> An upheaval about the, the way the team Well, they're not in it. the stadium, though, are they? So they can't. Yeah, they're so. not, but no. I mean, I'm sure they'll be they'll be made well aware of, of the fans and their, their thoughts on it. So it's not the best time to be going to Celtic, especially given the past few seasons they've been absolutely dominant. Mm. Uh, so you he, he can't really say he's going to go and win trophies guaranteed, but I think it's a good move for him. He's not going to play at Everton. Uh, there was some talk of him going to Burnley. Yes. Again, I'm not sure he start every week at Burnley Mm. I don't think he's that Mm. great but he will start every week at Celtic and I think it's a good move for
0: him well actually again and and just to complete your hat-trick of uh, opinions in a row Jordan you mentioned earlier uh, Caicedo uh, going to Brighton from Independiente that's a terrible pronunciation but um, he's a player as you've noted that who was linked with Man United Tim Vickery said he was one of the best talents in South America and Graham Potter is a manager who works wonders with young players, so it seems like a yeah. match made in heaven.
2: And you'd imagine that he, from what I've read at least about him, I can't say I've watched much of the Ecuadorian league, but from what I've read, it sounds like he's a similar kind of player to his Basuma. and it could be potentially getting getting him in ready to replace Bersuma, yeah. Uh if Basuma does go in summer. So I, yeah. I, from what I've read, and as you say, from what Tim Vickery says,
1: yeah. Uh, We'll go with it what Tim Vickery like says, I think. I
0: don't trust what you've read.
2: Um, yeah. so, Tim Vickery, I mean, South Tim expert, Vickery yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's
0: an excellent uh, expert at uh, South America. We did we did uh, actually, we touched on that. I should have done that as a double um, double move away from Arsenal because we had Mustafi um, and we had uh, Aza Maitland-Niles, but we also have James Joe Willock going to Newcastle. Young Arsenal midfielder, Steve Bruce's team have just, well, they looked a bit like a, a team revived at the weekend, Willock coming into midfield. I mean, Newcastle's midfield's badly short of quality. Willock, from time to time, has shown moments of class for Arsenal, if not on a sustainable basis. has never really looked like breaking into the first team regularly, but good opportunity at Newcastle to breathe a bit more life into a, into Steve
1: Bruce's team.
3: Absolutely, they need a bit of that at the moment. And it, you know, they had a really good result on the weekend, good performance as well. It was uh, very good. They needed they needed that badly. they were on a really bad run. Um, but yeah, Joe Willock to Newcastle, yeah, that's a, it's a good move for it. It's a good move all around, I think, because it means he'll get minutes. Regular football, which is what he needs for his development. As a you know, he's twenty-one, so he needs to get regular football. Uh mm-hmm. and you know, definitely he will get into that team mm. as well. And yeah, just had a bit of energy and a bit of you know, it's always good in general when you when you add something because it just it, 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 the atmosphere changes, you know. It, it kind of it can help lift the mood at a club, uh, just for that reason alone, as well. It will it will help. So, yeah, I think that's a good move around. And obviously, then he go back to Arsenal and have have more minutes behind him, mm, mm. more experience, uh, and maybe more able to challenge challenge to get into the team at Arsenal. You know, or he'll get or he'll get a permanent move to a Premier League club.
0: Mm, so that's also possible. Yeah. So um... you know, all
3: around, it's a good move.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've done this in a bit of a a, a mole fashion because I'm jumping back to Everton in a sense. Um, with the well, well, what you said, Jordan, actually, been, been uh, released quite late on in the day. That Josh King, who was linked with Southampton, a possible makeshift move with Shane Long, now linked with Everton. Uh, can, yeah, you like before- for, can you see that going ahead? Can you see that going ahead to one of those before this deadline shuts? And if so, do you think? Well, I mean, he's an in-demand forward, one of the most in-demand
1: forwards outside he, he of the is, Premier yeah. League.
2: He's someone who's looked good in the previous few years. Uh, obviously, with Bournemouth, he's not had a great year in the Championship. No. Albeit, he's not played too many minutes. I think he's only played eight hundred minutes. Uh, hasn't scored a goal in the Championship. But people have also said he's not really looked like he wants to be there. And I think that's partly why there's been so many uh, links to him today to various Premier League clubs. And I think yeah. he might well end up at Everton. That's what the talk, the the Twitter talk, seems to be edging towards. And mm-hmm. I mean, we need a backup striker. Yeah. He he can be that backup striker. Offer a few different options. I think it's a good signing. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, that, it depends on the wages, though. That's the one. Caveat. Yeah, and,
0: and if it happens, it depends on if it happens. and if it happens. That's yeah. a good. That's a good disclaimer to have in there as well. And uh, just to round up a few slight um a few other ones elsewhere. I mean, Diego Costa has been linked with every man, every man, woman, and dog uh you know in terms of in terms of suitors for the for the premier league he's been linked with everyone but it doesn't look like anything's going to come to fruition and uh someone made a really good point a few days ago uh oh well yesterday that it almost smacks of the gareth bale scenario people are remembering what he did a few years ago and if anyone watched him in spain recently they wouldn't necessarily be jumping um on the bandwagon uh, to sign him, so I don't think that's uh, going to happen, and that probably is a sensible thing for for others to avoid. Jordan again, a all back to Everton. Go going mole back, again. To, yeah, get, back Tosh, Tosh, him back to Bishkek. Tass. yeah, um, you know that. That's uh, briefly, uh, yeah. Good.
2: yeah. Well, well he's he, he was successful in the the ones for bit, first few months where Big Sam signed him. Since mm-hmm. then, he's not he, he's not really done too much. Yeah. I think some people have likened him to running with a fridge on his back, which um, pretty much his time at Everton. Uh, it, it Doug, but yeah, Doug, he's Doug. going back to his boyhood club. I think he'll do all right there, and it yeah. takes his wage far wage bill. But-
0: yeah, and then just really briefly, Yedlin's gone to Galatasaray on a permanent basis. Surprised me because he's been playing a bit recently for Newcastle and then out of the blue he goes to Turkey. It didn't seem to have much traction then suddenly he's gone. um Alli staying put, which seems a bit odd because, again, they said they couldn't find a replacement but he barely even featured for Tottenham anyway. And... Yeah. Oh, Eriksen staying at Inter as well, but then he did just score a free kick in the Coppa Italia. So that's kind of understandable. They can't get a replacement. Eriksen can still deliver moments of magic. Gareth Bale as well. Obviously, it's not too good for him at the moment. Obviously, I don't think there's any chance of him cancelling his time at Spurs because he's kind of a player who has good morale with all his other teammates, but he <laughs> certainly won't be extending his stay at Tottenham, I don't think, uh, if evidence is to go by. Right. So that's everything sort of jammed into one that's 15 minutes
2: just yeah yeah
0: yeah just and there's (laughs) quite a few other things as well look at Transvenue new central really good actually updates throughout the whole um whole of deadline day so look at them uh if you don't fancy uh listening to i think paul merson's been getting a lot of um a lot of air time time today but he's made me laugh a few times i mean he said about mustafi if anyone noticed he said he's not um he's not surprised if um if he, when he goes, to, he'll be delivering a similar level of performance at Shalkar, and I don't think it'll be uh, too much of a surprise. He doesn't it's safe to say he doesn't expect too much of Mustafi, even though we've sort of picked him up a little bit there. He doesn't seem to make, uh, think too much of Quebec either, although no. he admitted not to seeing Quebec. so that may be.
2: He's also just, someone who who didn't rate De Bruyne and didn't rate Yaya Torre Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, he was yeah. not. Right, yeah. Not um, great,
0: not great. But anyway, well, he's, like- likeable.
2: <laughs> he's likeable, that's the main thing.
0: He's likable, he's likeable. Uh yeah. is, is well, he's, yeah. A, yeah. he's a funny guy, he's just like a fan, isn't he? <whistles> it's a topic two, aren't we? All topic two. James, your your time to shine. Uh Chelsea. We talked about Frank Lampard uh last week and how it was harsh that he lost his job. I'm gonna say as briefly as possible, so try and condense this into one minute or less. Uh, what were your thoughts on Frank Lampard's uh, departure briefly? Now you've had time to think about it. Um, and yeah, why do you think it happened? What were your initial thoughts
1: on it? And how do you feel now?
3: I'm not surprised it happened. Mm. I was shocked at the timing of it. I thought he would get a few more games. And it's, like I know a lot of Chelsea fans, all of us have been feeling very you know, traumatised by it, to be honest. Um, because of his status at the club, because of how much he's loved at the club and how much he's loved by the fans, it was a it was it was not an easy experience for for fans. Mm-hmm. Uh and having heard what's come out from pretty reliable reports since then, it's pretty clear that the club didn't really rate him as a as an elite manager for the long term in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um and really kind of appointed him for the transfer ban and and all of that, rather than to be the mm. kind of guy that takes them forward. So, yeah, in hindsight, um, yeah, it's, it's really sad, obviously. And
1: yeah,
3: uh, he's a, he, did, he did well last year. I thought he did a good job last year. And I'm sure he'll go on and, and be, be a successful manager elsewhere. Um, but, yeah, um, you have to move on. You know, now Chelsea have got a new manager. And it's important, I guess, for Chelsea fans to get behind him.
0: Yeah. And that new manager is Thomas Tuchel. Um... I think as much as I was quite sad also as a neutral at Frank Lampard's departure and mainly because he just won in the in, in the cup game before and he tried a different formation, I thought mm. so it seems like a bit of a, a shame that he's trying out new things in the hope of, of getting some better future results and then he's gone. So that was a bit of a shame. But obviously Tuchel's come in. And what I've got to say is I love the guy's charisma and I love um his personality first of all. That's something that we see a lot with foreign managers, actually. Uh, elite foreign managers, Klopp, Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, they all come in and they all have this style and swagger and, 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 per, and personality that they, they almost define the football club because I suppose they have an ego with it as well. But as a fan, that must be you know quite, quite nice because even though Lampard was a club legend, he's not someone who has the same level of X factor that these other managers have, I don't think.
3: No, and I, you know, and outside of him being Lampard's replacement, I, I've been really impressed by Thomas Tuchel. Uh, no, he seems to he knows the game really well. He's like you say, got got a bit of spark about him, a bit of charisma, um, passion on the touchline as well. Yes. Um, Chelsea Chelsea's um, Twitter account did this thing called Tuchel Cam, which was basically following him on the touchline and actually relaying everything that he was saying which was really interesting. Um, he was really involved in the game against Wolves um, tactically. Uh, and you could see a tactical identity from Chelsea straight away
1: yeah.
3: in the first game. Um, it was really clear to see. Uh, and yeah, you know, he wants to win. He's got experience of winning. Plays the right kind of football. Plays the kind of football that suits the Chelsea squad, I think. Um, he's good at working with young, young players, developing yeah. young players. Uh, he's already used the academy guys that were playing under under Lampard as well, and spoken well of some others. So, yeah, he seems to be, and he seems to really want to be at Chelsea. He seems to be quite enthusiastic about the job, which is really important, I think, for for me as a fan. But certainly, it's really important to have a guy that wants to be at the club, and it looks like he really pushed for the job for quite a while. So, mm. yeah, um, I'm excited. Um, I'm really impressed with him. Um as a manager, is it kind of, yeah, like you say, the personality as well, that's a good fit with Chelsea too. So yeah, it's exciting and yeah, his track record is excellent. So I expect him to be successful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you talk about the tactical thing, that was something that maybe was absent under Lampard somewhat. And yeah. um what have you it's interesting because the back three is almost reminiscent of an Antonio Conte team with Aspilicueta at right centre-back, but the tactics are very different. So what have you made of that change?
3: I was intrigued. I, I, I wasn't sure what he was going to do uh, with our team because he's played a number of different formations. Um, I think he played four or five different formations at Dortmund and the same at PSG. So uh, it wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure what, what tactic he was going to use before the, before the first game. And it was actually quite funny because the lineup, the TV, the BT Sport predicted it would be um, a four-two-three-one, and it turned out it wasn't a four-two-three-one at all. No. Um, and it was, um, yeah, I was really impressed by it. I was, I wasn't expecting to see a Callum Hudson Odoi play as a right wing back, but it's worked um, because it's not a traditional right wing back that he's playing as. He's almost he's 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 playing like a, when when Chelsea attack, he's playing a lot like a winger. He's getting mm. he's getting really into the final third. He's getting loads of great crosses in. Uh, he's beating defenders. He's, he's Chelsea's better tucking player at the moment.
1: Mm. Uh, and
3: That was the case actually before Lampard left, to be honest. Um, so, mm. yeah, it's... I, yeah, and, you know, the Chelsea have only, haven't conceded a shot on target in the two games under Tuchel yet. Um, not one shot on target from Wolves or from Burnley. Uh, I think there was one... Mm. Burnley only had one shot, like period didn't they I think and they hit the mm. post when went over and it was right in the last minute so um, they looked more organised, definitely defensively and that's saying something when you've got, a, when you've got two sixes who are Jorginho and, and Kovacic who yeah. probably aren't the best defensively you know or haven't been the best defensively but uh, and the other thing actually that I, w- I was really impressed by was especially against Burnley we saw this that Jorginho and Kovacic were, were passing the ball forwards you know, against Wolves, you saw them doing what they've often done in the past, which is pass between each other. I think there was eighty passes between them against Wolves, like just between those two players, and uh, it was quite frustrating. But he he definitely changed something because against Burnley, they were they weren't doing that; they were getting it forward, uh, and Chelsea looked much much more dangerous going forward against Burnley than they did against um, Wolves. And part of that, I think, as well, has to do with Mason Mount playing because he always brings a lot of energy and um you know he's um a lot of thrust to the team and quality obviously and uh, more intensity so i think that he helped chelsea's attack as well against wolves I mean, he's been chelsea's best player arguably this season certainly um best in midfield so mm. yeah it's really interesting and i think the formation is really interesting because it i think it can be fluid so yeah you can change to a back five, you can change to a back four, you know, you could change to almost like five attackers or mm. even a, like a four, one, four, one, it, it's really fluid. Um, I think the two six is a almost kind of fix as, as well, kind of to provide that screen. Mm. Um, uh, and it looks like Chelsea got a lot of double sixes that he called it. Uh, he sees Ndalo Kante as a double six, like a pivot. So he would play, he would fit into that as well. Um, mm. Interesting to see how much he plays. Although, yeah, uh, Google said he's a big fan of his, so I assume he's gonna play a fair bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, yeah, and it's just the encouraging thing was there's a clear plan, there's a clear identity, you can see what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's got the flexibility as a coach to change that formation in the future, depending on the opposition, depending on the personnel. Um, he's got the flexibility tactically to do that and he has done that before so you know we were playing against two low block teams so maybe for teams pressing high up against us he might change the formation he might change the tactics or personnel to suit that um, mm. which is where Kante will probably come in
1: mm. I
3: think so uh, yeah I'm yeah it's, it's really encouraging I feel really positive about about what he's going to achieve and actually that he could really help develop a lot of the young talent in the squad. And I'm not just talking the academy players, but, you know, talk people like Kai Havertz and, you know, Timo Werner, um, other people like that, that he can develop them, improve them, get the get the best out of them. Because he's got a good track record of doing that.
0: Mm. I, was, I was just going to say, actually, I thought Jordan was going to help him with a question, so I gave him a second, but he didn't. Is there going to be a renaissance for certain figures that were essentially exiled under Lampard. So by that, I mean Alonso, Hudson-Odoi's played, started in Tuchel's first two games. Uh, he didn't feature too much under Lampard, certainly not at right wing-back. And Azpilicueta, after being left in the shadows for much of this season under Lampard, is now featuring again as the right centre-back. Is this the time for those who were in the shadow under Lampard to rise up and take Chelsea into the Champions League uh, this season?
3: Yeah, I think the short-term goal is to get into the Champions League. Mm. top four uh to maybe win the fa cup because we've got a good draw we've got a good chance of getting to the last stages of that mm. uh, and i think you'll want to get past atletico in the champions league though that won't be easy at all <laughs> no. um, but, um uh, I, I wouldn't ex- I w- i'm not expecting that but um but certainly to get into the top four that's that's got to be a goal yeah
1: uh
3: and yeah you're right i mean one of the things I've read in a lot of reports is that basically that he's given everyone a clean slate, It's as in whatever's happened in the past is gone, you get to prove yourself again to me, which I actually think is fair for a new manager coming in to do absolutely, that. Absolutely,
1: yeah.
3: yeah. Um, it's absolutely fair to do that. And already, you know, Jorginho looks looks a better player. <laughs> uh, he, I think he, had, he created four chances in, against uh, Burnley, which is more than he's created in one game, I think, ever for Chelsea. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Marcus Alonso, obviously, and I knew he was going to score. I just, when he was, well, like, he's got this kind of cult status, like people, Chelsea fans love to hate him. Um, but it's almost like he just knew he was going to score when he, when he started because he because of all the circumstances around him not playing, the fallout with Lampard and all of that, and him being out of the team. And he tends to show up when he feels like it. So getting back on the team, of course, he's going to be up for it and he's going to score. <laughs> um, yeah, he's probably got a chance, although I don't know whether. I think he wants to start regularly and I'm not sure that he will ultimately start regularly.
1: Mm. Uh, uh,
3: no. He said he'd the team for his height, you yeah. know, uh, which, which makes sense against Burnley, you know? Mm. So yeah. Uh, Asper Liquetta. Yeah. Yeah. In about three, he could. Um, I still think Weiss Jones could play there because the nature of yeah. that position in a two-call system he's you saw the, the run that, that um, Asper made. made mm. was more like a right wing back when he was mm. scoring that goal. So, mm. it, it, I, yeah, and, and, and Rhys Jones has played centre-back before as well. Yeah. He's played in the field as well. He's he's good in all of those positions. Um, But, yeah, absolutely, that, that is a possibility that Aspilicueta could play
0: and, more regularly. And uh, Aspilicueta, the run was a bit like, uh, and the position's almost a bit like what Kieran Tierney did in Arteta's fluid, 3-4-3-4-3-3. Three, four, three, four, yeah, three,
1: three. exactly. I when defending, yeah.
0: Yeah, defending the left centre-back, being the left back in attacks. And yeah, I it it, it does seem to and obviously like you're right, James, Reese James has the physicality maybe to do that as well and the height and and, and defend from the, the right centre back position. Then uh, power forward as a right back as well. Um you know that that does that and, and that's I think you've touched on it the tactical fluidity of the whole thing really does does keep you optimistic and 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 I imagine all most Chelsea fans are as ever, are willing to back the new manager. But do they, does anyone realistically think that he will last beyond his eighteen-month contract?
3: Well, I think that depends on his success. Uh, I think it's been very clear. That he's made clear. Very. He's been very honest about the expectations and about Chelsea's job security. Um, you know, if he challenges for the title next season, if he wins trophies, if he's competitive in the Champions League, uh, he will keep his job. If Chelsea have a season like this season where they're scraping around trying to get Champions League football. he won't, and um to be honest, with the squad that Chelsea have, you would expect Chelsea the minimum to be finishing in the top four, you know especially next season when players have had a year to adapt to the league you know and they've probably recruited some more players so i think I think he's a good enough manager that he can keep his job longer than eighteen months uh and you know deliver the kind of football that of it once and the success. So yes.
1: But James, just to just
0: to <laughs> play, just to just to counter that point slightly, he's also a manager that has a history of of bust-ups with chairman. At Mainz, he fell out with the chairman, uh, and the board at Dortmund the same, and some players like Abamiang, who, who who he fell out, but Abamiang is quite a high maintenance player anyway. And then at PSG, similar issues with the hierarchy. Now, Chelsea are not a club that has a, a, a hierarchy that are necessarily, necessarily pander to the manager somewhat. It, it's more of a you'll get on with the job or you'll get fired mentality. Um, so is there a risk that there could be a personality clash there?
3: Yes, uh, although I was quite encouraged by the comments that he made in his press conference basically addressing this. I think, it was, I think it was to the written press, actually, that, that I know that I've made these mistakes before. I, I know how it works at Chelsea. Um, and maybe I need to learn some lessons and do things differently I think he just wants to coach honestly, I think that's what he loves doing he loves coaching players, he loves working with players, improving players he loves the kind of tactical side of the game that's what he really loves doing he doesn't want interference in doing that Uh, so I, I I think, I'm not saying he's going to be at Chelsea for like five years, I don't think that's going to happen, but certainly I think he'll be at Chelsea longer than 18 months, I think he might Two, two or three years, maybe, uh, and and then go. And I'm sure he'll be successful. And if he isn't, he'll lose his job before that. Fantastic.
1: Just, Optimism Just covering the
0: whole whole basis there. To be <laughs> and uh, Jordan asked for your opinion, but we don't have time and I don't care. So we'll move, oh, on to, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to topic three, which does seem more up your streets, club analysis, and it is uh, after we've done Sheffield United, Leicester City and uh, and now a focus on on Everton, your club. Uh, I thought it was a good time because again, there's still an element of possibility that Everton can make a, a, a outside push for the Champions League. And there is still yeah,
2: while there's still that slight possibility, we might as well cover us
0: And there is still a little bit of an opportunity. I mean, slightly more realistic that top seven finishes achievable. Although I'm on the fence with that as well. Um, so first of all, just. This is a this is a sort of a, a club analysis, a look at everything. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti, manager of the club, never in your wildest dreams really he was an Everton fan. I don't think you expected that to happen. Obviously, James Absolutely used to not. manage James's club, Chelsea. And it was almost a step, it's almost like a stepping stone period, isn't it? Because it was Ronald Coomer didn't work out. So then it was Sam Allardyce, which was quite a, a down period for the club. Then it was Marco Silva, who was the progressive coach who everyone wanted at the time. And that was better than Allardyce, but it, again, it didn't really work out. So then it was Carlo Ancelotti, who was like this God-given figure in football. AC Milan, we Madrid, with Chelsea, Napoli, Bayern Munich. Less said about Bayern Munich and Napoli, but the others. Yeah, he won,
2: really he well. won trophies at Bayern Munich.
1: But not, Maybe as, not at Napoli, pres-
2: but, not no, as pres- but he won. And that's the main thing. Uh, and as you say, it's, it is almost a transition period for Everton as a club. We've got a new stadium on the way uh, and as you say, with, with Carlo Ancelotti at the helm, things are looking more positive mm. and we're making bigger signings, we're making better signings Yeah. Uh, so, so the future's is bright. Uh, one quick thing to cover is this weekend's result. 2-0 to Newcastle at home, uh, pretty disappointed obviously. Uh, Newcastle just showed a lot more fight, a lot more enthusiasm. I mean, in the first 20 minutes, I think they, they kicked James Rodriguez to the ground about eight times uh, and I think had Alan been playing or Ben Godfrey been playing there, there maybe a bit would have been a little bit more bite back from Everton uh, and that was one of the issues but it's a season review and a, a season look isn't it rather than one game so
0: uh, and Alan sent Maximan did come on for Newcastle but obviously I don't think it was that Alan you were referring to Jordan it wasn't it was no, more the Brazilian the Brazilian stopper in the midfield exactly, is probably yeah. is probably what it is. But I mean the Brazilian stopper, Alan of Napoli, actually, whenever I've watched Everton, which has been quite a lot this season, he is, you know, for me one of a very, very underrated player in that in that team because James Rodriguez obviously has his qualities, and we've seen that on a number of occasions this season.
2: Yeah. And that's tremendously and the, gifted footballer.
0: Yeah, and the th- the three midfielders the three midfielders that you got in in Decore, allen and james rodriguez were really game changer for a club like everton who the season before it was all workman like professionals in in, in ma- ma- the majority of the midfield well the midfield was that and the majority of I the mean, team was that so to have that is yeah. a real squad upgrade isn't it in one position in midfield
2: those three well, particularly with midfield i mean yeah. you've got a lot of complaints via twitter from me about our oh, midfield midfield last season and the season before uh it, it, it was something that really did need an upgrade and it's I'm really happy that for once Everton have seen that they've targeted it and they've got three quality players that have come in and done a great job and then mm. as I say they've all been successful and Ben Godfrey has perhaps top them all he's been absolutely ama- immense Said that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well well, yep. he's come in as a centre back hasn't he uh, yep. for quite a hefty fee he's he's played at centre back he's played at right back he's played at left back and he's actually been most successful at left back uh, he's incredibly fast. He's probably one of the fastest players in the league. Uh, great defender, not that good going forward, which has been one of the, the, the dodgy points of him, but defensively, top class.
0: Well, you signed a defender to defend, I heard, but hey, I'm, I'm not a coach. Yes.
2: Neither are you. No, but. absolutely.
0: Um, so I think one of the, you, you're right, I mean, I said Godfrey at the time, really, I was, I don't think it was, it was 25 million, I wouldn't call that hefty, uh, fee certainly yeah, for yeah. a player, certainly for a player of his age, ability, pace, good on the ball, really, yeah, really good all-round player. And recruitment-wise, Everton had the best window they'd had in a very, very long time. I mean, yeah. it seemed like, as you say, they found areas of weakness, they targeted it, and they and they brought players in uh, to solve those issues. I mean, just go back not too long ago, a Wayne Rooney was being brought in as the highest-paid yeah. player, and I said that a was a disaster when to happen. Not yeah. the case now.
2: Well is well, that down to
0: Ancelotti? Is that down to Ancelotti do you
2: think? No, no. So there was a real turning point actually. So under Mashiri, he he first brought in he he was the one that kind of gave us this director of football approach and he first brought in Steve Walsh from Leicester who uh, supposedly was the man behind Kante, Mares and Vardy. I don't think he was <laughs> in reality. Uh, and he was actually the one that brought in he was he was behind the summer of the number 10s where Davey Classen came in, where Wayne Rooney came in, and where Gilfie Sigurdsson came in. Mm. Uh, and there was a lot of warning signs at that point that this isn't going to work out very well. Uh, Steve Walsh, unfortunately, lost his job. Uh, and then Big Sam came in He made his, his mark on the team as well by signing Theo Walcott and Cenk Tosin. Again, neither of them have really set, set things alight. But then Marcel Brands came in, and that was the turning point. Uh, Marcel Brands came from PSV. He, he's a Dutch, a Dutch guy that was the director of football there and was really successful there. And since he's come in, uh, our signings have made a lot more sense. And, and he's, what he's done very well as well is get rid of the deadwood. Uh, we've not got the best fees for them, which is one criticism. You look over the park at, at Michael Edwards and he's getting 20 million for Dominic Solanke uh, while we, we sold Lutman for peanuts. I think about 10 million pounds. Uh, and Luckman's a much better player, it seems, at least now. Uh, so as I say, Marcel Brands was the kind of the turning point, and he's he's been a real positive influence on the team and the recruitment.
0: Well, I've had fascinating insight, and I'd say that begrudgingly because it's you. But I think <laughs> that um there you it, it you know, really well covered actually on recruitment there, to be honest, but the season started so brightly, I think, where we, we saw at the start of the season 1-0 at Tottenham, where I thought Everton were excellent, followed by some brilliant attacking displays. And it was yeah. almost uh, the old Carlo Ancelotti um, idea of of playing with a bit of freedom, football with a bit of freedom. So, hey, you might score one or two, we'll score three or four. And, it, yeah. you know, it was really good at the start of the season, even at the Merseyside derby, which has been defined in many ways by certain tackles oh. and assaults on players. But... The actual performance in that game was very good. And at that point, I think that was five games into the season, five Premier League games into the season, Everton looked yep. like being possible well, we in had, a crazy season, Champions
2: League contenders. Well, we had four wins and obviously the draw against Liverpool. But then following that game, obviously there was Richarlison uh, had a, a red card and was out for three games. And then we also got injuries to James Rodriguez. We got injuries to Allen. We got injuries to Luca Dean, who was out for two months. and. I mean, you look at those four players, uh, and they're perhaps four of the best players on the team, uh, outside of maybe Decoré and uh, Calvert Lewin.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's it, injuries haven't been kind to many teams, actually, particularly Everton, and it's 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 very yeah. It's it's been a it's been a topsy turvy season. I think is a, is a good way to describe yeah. it because I think Everton did actually well in December to get some wins in a way that was quite in opposition to how they were playing at the start of the season. Much more defence-minded, much more get the goal and hang on. But it was credit to Carlo Ancelotti for altering his tactics to make, in a similar way to what we talked about with Leicester doing uh, under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, They had a lot of injuries. They went to a counter-attacking setup, much reminiscent to the 15-16 season. Everton also had to change because of the injuries that they had, and, and credit to them for doing that. But... The recent performance, particularly against Newcastle, I think it was really odd because everyone was telling me, uh, you know, how much of a crisis Newcastle were in. And that's why Captain Dominic calvert lewin on fantasy football. <laughs> um, but and, and, and many reasons, really, because I looked at the Everton team. James Rodriguez playing. Luca Dean playing. James Coleman playing. Uh, James Rodriguez playing. Sigurdsson also playing for so creativity purposes. Richarlison playing. So every most apart from Alan, I'd say that was pretty much... A yeah. Full Everton 11. A yeah. Um and We know that Alan makes a big impact, but to me, and you, does, you've touched yeah. on it slightly, it was in like a big mentality, lethargic Absolutely. attitude. And we've seen that in the season restart last season when Everton were abysmal for most of the oh, yeah. uh, end of the last season when it was behind closed doors. And the resurgence that they had, I think, played quite a large part, part to the summer transfers. Is there a danger that Everton could have a similar? Lapse in mentality this season, and is it is it something that Carlo Ancelotti will struggle to get rid of in, in the football club? Are there too many characters where the mentality
2: just drops? I, I think it's something that the, the club has, as you say, has struggled with for for a while now. And the one thing you can say about that starting 11 is it has some very good players, but it doesn't have anyone who's kind of got this nasty streak in them, which is a bit of an issue, really. Maybe and as a deal, Newcastle. Well, maybe not Fevy and Delph, but <laughs> Alan, as I say, Alan, Godfrey, and Mason Holgate, are uh, three key players. I mean, Godfrey and Holgate have been a key part of our run recently, uh, defensively at least. Uh, and as I say, they've just got this nasty streak in them that.
0: Pickford's angry. He's like, Pickford's, he tries to break defence in half.
2: But Pickford's, Pickford's also been a bit of an issue. Now, he oh. wasn't the issue against Newcastle. He wasn't the issue against Newcastle, but he was the reason we conceded against Leicester. It was a really strong defensive performance. And then a long shot comes straight to Pickford and he palms it in. Uh, and that's been the story of his, his career at Everton, really. He's, he makes these wonder saves, these match-of-the-day saves, and then he just makes a mistake that just leaves you questioning why, why is England's number one and why is Everton's number one. And but I think kicking, that's one is, thing his summer we'll look his kicking is excellent. You're right, is. but it's... a keeper's there to to stop the goals, and that's not something he's been doing. It's actually similar to to Kepa at Chelsea. Yeah,
0: but Kepa's kicking wasn't that good, was it? So,
1: no.
2: But as I say, I think that'll be one thing in summer that Ancelotti now will look at, and I think even for the remainder of the season, hmm. uh, we we might see some changes in goalie again. I mean, you've got yeah. I think it's one of those,
0: isn't it? It's a hard balance to get because. You look at someone like Emmy Martinez who seems to have both both sides of the coin great goalkeeper great distributor. Look at Pickford he's got the great distributor side and he's got the goalkeeping side because he he's athletic, he makes it, good reflex saves, he comes off he's favorable. quite quick off his line, but then he has it almost a mentality thing. His mentality is almost he goes out to the pitch like a I don't know like he's had 25 coffees. And he's almost yeah. hyper alert, and it almost yeah. it, it just doesn't. I used coffee just so he didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't
2: want to use <laughs> any <think> other. <laughs> one one issue is is, uh, and I I'll compare him to Nick Pope of Burnley. Obviously, the two England keepers. Mm. I watch Burnley, and if a cross oh, comes into right. the box, okay. good Pope will come out and he'll gather the ball. No questions asked. He he almost exudes confidence, and that relays mm. onto the rest of the side and the mm-hmm. defense in particular. Mm. With Pickford, he very often comes out and just flaps at it and uh, it goes to out for a corner or goes to one of their players and it, yeah. that, that just leads to a lack of confidence in the defence and that's been a reason we've conceded a lot of goals this season.
1: Mm.
0: So, looking ahead then, I mean, tying all this together, strongest 11 you've had in a long time, mentality Absolutely. still questionable as, re- as noted in the recent game and and to be honest and, and to be honest a few I mean the West Ham game as well at Christmas was quite poor yeah, as well wasn't that it was so, so there's a few there's a few way you can label the mentality drill is it is is it a case of does it take a little bit longer for Carlo Ancelotti really to get that winning mentality instilled? And more importantly, can he do it? Or is he just a manager who's a very nice guy who can help get the most out of players, help attract these star players? But is he someone who can really drill home and hammer home this winning mentality and change a culture? Can he do that? I, Has he ever changed I really, a culture?
2: I, I think he's capable. I mean, it just the, kind of the confidence that he exudes. And when when we do win, you can tell that he's he's kind of behind it. Uh, and and has been issues, but I think, I just think he he's the man long term. He, he he wants to be Everton. He wants to be the man that takes in, is in charge when we move stadiums. And I think it's a, a bright future ahead with him at the helm.
0: Oh no! Well, I hope so because I think I speak on behalf of all of us. Colorangelo is one of the nice guys in football. Oh, so absolutely! I hope, yeah, I hope he. Um, yeah, and you you can you can you can say that, James, with confidence because I, I, I some would
3: someone who who you talk to a lot of Chelsea fans and ask the manager they've had who they would like back most it's Carlo Ancelotti in
1: yeah Conte the football James
3: football, the, football <laughs> of like the football Chelsea fed under Ancelotti was the best football I've seen at Chelsea under, under Abramovich and that's simple as that yeah and I think I believe if Everton stick
2: with him and back him they will, they will build a really good side uh, I think we will back him as well I, I, as I say I think this summer will be a big one for us mm. I think a right back could be something we look at because although Coleman has been a great captain over the years he does the rep that Dean does on the left hand side uh, we've actually mentioned before the backup striker because that was going to be my next point hmm. we might be getting Josh King we don't know for certain yet it looks like it that. might happen Yeah, well I know but that, that's something that I would be looking at in the summer if we don't get Josh King
0: we also know Jordan as well for anyone who does it you like to run and you like to run very quickly and if, uh, if this goes how I, <laughs> I think do. it's going to go um you you had a speed up like there where you just desc- where you described the right back situation in such rapid fashion um and it's a it it'll be a skill for any any listener any active listener to work out exactly what you just said or 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 even a bigger skill even to care about what you just said but <laughs> what i want to move on to now italian league i'm conscious of the, of the of the of the breaking of the 15 minute segments and i just had to start in italy this week because even though there's been some brilliant goals, and I, and I quote, a brilliant messy free kick, I don't know if any of you two saw it in La Liga yep. this weekend. The guy ran, uh, there was a player who ran back on the line to stop the free kick, on and he coast. still put it in the top corner. Yeah, no, <laughs> still put it in the top corner. And Suarez as well scored a free kick. I mean, and, and as you said, Jordan, and I think as you agree, James, because you've told me this as well, how Barcelona decided to let Luis Suarez go for... Just a couple of million euros is, is is astonishing isn't it because he's he's doing so so many wonderful things for Atletico Madrid at the moment and arguably pushing them to the title. I know this is about Italy, but scandalous that one isn't it
2: It just sums up how badly run Barcelona have been uh, and I mean their their financial state has come out this week as well hasn't it And
0: it's
2: uh, not in a not good, good.
0: no I mean I mean there's two free kicks though I know we don't we're specifically oh, focusing on Italy, really. but Watch those free kicks. Very, very, yeah. very, 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 very good. Kick.
2: Two
3: very different free kicks. Like yeah, Messi's one is almost like a. Li- it's almost like he's passing it in, like
1: yeah. like
3: the gentle log, you know, like mm. no power really, just placement. And yeah, whereas Suarez is like complete power placement. Yeah, like, like curves straight into the back into the top left hand corner. Beautiful. You know. And like like um like uh, Jordan said like at, how Barcelona let him go for free.
1: Well, is, yeah.
3: Uh, you know, for to go to Madrid of all clubs, and now he's doing so well. It's just, it's just, it, it's typical of what Barcelona are now. Yeah. They're, it's embarrassing.
1: A know. shell
0: of their former selves. Yeah. Thought yeah, yeah i mean it was awful um but yeah in italy and and, and you both know where i want to start in italy really uh, or focus primarily on italy this week not only is it the most exciting title race in europe i think because there's about four or five teams that could win it um and and it, and I, I'm, I'm quite my interest is always quite fixed on italy outside of obviously the premier league itself because my team plays in it but in the cup competition last week, we had a uh, Coppa Italia clash between Inter Milan and AC Milan. A proper derby like we've not seen in England for 10 or 15 years, I think. And I, and I mean, we were talking before we went on about the Roy Keane and the Patrick and Patrick Vieira kind of rivalry, the anger that built up between both teams. And Romelu Lukaku and, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic genuinely could have had fisticuffs. It, 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 was, it was building to that point, wasn't it? Because they were... Incense with each
3: other yeah it's absolutely. just what you want to see in a derby it is i haven't seen that in a game in england for a long time It
1: yeah
3: yeah uh and it, it, it was genuine it wasn't yeah it was genuine it was like it wasn't just a football it wasn't a football thing in the end
1: oh, like yeah. they it
3: at half time and lukaku was still kind of chasing <laughs> off the pit yeah <laughs> he, was, he,
1: was. he was like
3: having to be held back and stuff and, and lukaku's a big guy yeah, right? oh, yeah. he is oh Massive. yeah <laughs> You've got this massive guy being held back by about two or three interplayers and they've just managed to hold him back.
1: Yeah.
3: And, uh, yeah. uh, You know um, know what
0: made me laugh the most, though? It cut to Antonio Conte just before, just as they blew the whistle and he's smiling on the side (laughs) like, yes, this is what I wanted.
2: He's loving it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's typical. Yeah, he loves that. And I mean,
0: but it's true because you had you had Vidal there, Vidal in the background. Vidal, obviously known for his for his, you know, as, you, as we've said on this podcast before, James Antonio Conte said if he could take anyone to war with him as a footballer, it would be yeah. Vidal. Vidal, Vidal yeah. is there in the background, You're just just waiting for some something to blow up. But it, it was. I mean, what, what what team were we on there? Were we on Team Derby, or were we actually siding with one of the players, Zlatan or Lukaku? Who where were we on this one? Because what Slatan said with relation to his mum wasn't particularly nice. I mean, it was, it, was it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad that it necessarily warrants a ban or anything like that. But it wasn't particularly nice, and I think Ibrahimovic did it really. He said this be- many times. He feel he needs to feel the fire to be at his best, and I think he deliberately goes to Lukaku to say something like this to get someone to angrily wrestle with him, and you know. In a, in a verbal or even a physical way, to get him to his peak performance. doesn't make it right, but I think that's how he thinks.
2: Well, he, he did that and he got burnt because yeah, he then he got did. sent off and they lost. So, I mean, I, as you know... I'm, he scored? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big Lukaku fan and I was team Lukaku in that. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I know Johnny's a big Zlatan fan. I am a big So fan. he was probably... <laughs> 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 probably that in that corner. Double. Like yeah, I of, I found both of them as players. uh
3: Yeah, I mean Latan is Latan. Yeah, he's uh,
1: yeah. No, I, I will say oh,
3: this: I love like the as well. I've always yeah. loved the I, I still, I still really rate him. I still think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, with a personally, from a personal perspective, would love to see him at my club.
1: Yeah,
3: um, yeah. but um, was excellent at Everton. Yeah, but. So I don't know. Um, it's a bit nasty from that. Uh, Ibrahimovic. A bit kind of, it, was. it
0: was. It was.
2: I
3: don't really like that kind of behaviour. I think
2: that's no. a bit It's slightly the below the belt, isn't it? It's
0: to be honest, to be honest, if it wasn't Ibrahimovic, if it wasn't Zlatan, I should call him Ibrahimovic because I don't know him personally. But uh, if, it <laughs> was, if it wasn't uh, Ibrahimovic, I probably would condemning him. But I just think I love his winning mentality. I love how. He has to get so stoked up in games to, to perform at his best I love that and and what I took away from that was oh I wish you know in the prem, in a I don't know Man United v Liverpool game you get two people going after each other yeah. like that in a similar way because you do like that and that uh I suppose it's almost it's testosterone awesome. versus testosterone and it is quite oh you know you, you shouldn't really be promoting that but I think we all secretly love a little bit of 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 Bloodshed in a in a in a rivalry like that. Uh, well, not literally, but um, you know, a little bit of tension in both camps. And obviously, we uh, it was a really good game. Actually, uh, I didn't actually see it live, but I got quite a, 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 a I, I saw a, a lot of the a lot of the action, and it was a really it was a really tight game, which really swung on the red card for Ibrahimovic, like you say, and uh, Lukaku stumps in the penalty, probably like you say you you, you said before, as hard as. He's probably ever hit I a think, football.
2: I think he was still thinking about that tussle beforehand and he, he thought the ball was better.
0: <laughs> yes, maybe. And then Eriksen, figure who Conte hasn't really warmed to, comes on as a late substitute, fires in a wonderful free kick to win the game for Inter. And yeah, it was it was an incredible, incredible game. And what amuses me actually as well is those two are really in the, they've been in the driving seat for the Serie A title for a while now. It's been the two Milan clubs, which have been a bit of a throwback because... In years gone by, it's been Juventus, Juventus, Juventus. Napoli close under Maurizio Sarri, but still Juventus. And now we've got two Milan clubs top of the tree. And it seems to be really weird. But every time AC Milan drop points, Inter's dropped points, it seems to be the case. So when um, when AC Milan lost, um, lost a game a few weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago, Inter drew, and then they both lost, Five games ago, they both lost a game on the same weekend. And it's it's just really bizarre because, I don't know. I mean, is it a mentality thing? I don't know. Are people scared to win this league? It looks like it, because there's five teams that could possibly win it. Juventus with a game in hand. If they win that game in hand, then they can close the gap at the top to just four points, which which is quite something because they've drawn a hell of a lot of games and there's been a lot of, Rotation involved under and uh, in Andre Pirlo's first season at the club, but I don't know. We we we've sort of all said to a point that we think Antonio Conte's inter without European football will be beneficial. Will benefit at some point in the long run this season, but is Conte's football a little bit too negative in some instances? To get them the points that they need to win the title, I don't. I don't know. Some people have suggested this. I'm less inclined to believe
2: it. I just think he's got the experience of winning titles, not just in Italy but elsewhere as well. I think I think that'll help a massive amount. Mm. Uh, obviously, having th- those players like Vidal, like Lukaku, is going to help them as well. Uh, I think that Juventus have the most talented squad though, uh, yeah. and I think they will be the close challenges.
3: But as well, NFL. I mean, you... agree with that. Yeah, I think. You can't deny Antonio Conte's a winner. No,
0: no. You know,
3: you know that to win trophies, you know that to win league titles he's done it before. He was very close last year. Yeah. Um, yeah he was. You know you're one point off Juventus at the end. Yeah. Um and they're out of Europe as well. Yeah. So yeah. They won't have any midweek fixtures. That will help a lot. Especially mm. this season of all seasons.
1: Mm. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: They're probably my narrow favourite for the title, but like, like, um Jordan said, the Juventus have a very strong squad, probably mm. the strongest squad in mm. Italy. So they'll be up there. They'll definitely and, be up there. And I wouldn't write off Milan either. You know, they've been, yeah. they've I mean, been leading top, it
0: though. for for a long, long time, and it, it took <laughs> yeah, a long time for them to lose in 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 Serie A. So the, I mean, the initial period, the initial run for AC Milan was really headlined by Ibrahimovic, who was on fire at the start of the season. I think he was. Ten goals in five games, and then he had his injury, and they still carried on that momentum, which is testament to the to the to the group that they have and the culture that the uh, that the managers put forward. But it is slowing down a little bit now because I think that's just with reality, isn't it? The, they've been doing so well, but you can't win every game, especially now. And
1: it's it's hard to it's hard to see them winning it given how the others have caught up, but. Given how they cope without Ibrahimović,
0: and given that Ibrahimović is now back, they should still be feeling quite confident,
2: shouldn't they, that they can, yeah. that they can keep, keep, keep the push going? I do wonder how, how the loss against Inter last weekend will affect them men- mentally, though. Knowing that Inter are well capable of beating them, and, and obviously, as we've already alluded to, the fact that Conte is in charge. Yeah, and um, he's a man that wins league titles. <laughs>
0: I know, I know, I know. You talk about lost mentally, but you watch the game, and they're they're probably on top. Ibrahimovic gets himself sent off. That's the turning point. I yeah. mean, a lot of no, Milan you're right, fans, you're right. a lot of Milan fans as well, were very annoyed with Ibrahimovic. I felt. yeah, we we uh, were very annoyed with um, Ibrahimovic. I felt because he had basically, you know, he done so well at the start. He's come back from injury. He's still done quite well. But it was—it was almost. Someone said, "Had he become his own caricature by chasing, you know, just just getting angry for the sake of it, causing a drama for the sake of it?" And after scoring the goal, if he hadn't been so stupid, they probably would have. They might not have won the game, but they—they they might not have lost either. It certainly would have
2: helped them, wouldn't it? It certainly yeah, would have helped.
0: Absolutely, and and it and it. I think Ibrahimovic himself would probably be the first to say that he was not wrong to have said what he said because he felt like that was getting in, a, getting him an advantage. But he will have been disappointed that after doing that and getting a booking with Lukaku, he then did a really late tackle in the second half and it, you had to, you know, it was an easy, easy second yellow. So disappointed from his perspective, I do think. And, you know, I think like Milan, they've got a lot of very good young players and uh, they've got a mix of experience as well. Uh, you've got Ibrahimovic, but then you've got Kessy, you've got uh, Kiar, Romagnoli, and then also Donna Rummer. I mean, Donna Rummer's a goalkeeper that's been. He's so young still, you know, and it feels yeah. like he's about 30. Um, if Milan don't win the league, and if Milan do win the league even, you imagine some of these players are going to be scouted regardless by uh, Teo Hernandez as well. You imagine some of these players are going to be targets of big European clubs. I mean, Chelsea, for example, James, very much interested in Donnarumma by accounts of all reports. They are, yeah. Uh,
3: what I've heard is that they've had, uh, I think Peter Cech particularly has had talks with his agent. Yeah. Um. And offered them a contract. So, mm. uh, he's there's a contract on the table for Donnarumma Chelsea if he wants it. Uh yeah. I think yeah. he'll stay at Milan because he yeah. wants to stay at okay. Milan.
1: Okay.
3: Um. But so yeah, there's plenty of. I think PSG want him as well. I don't think you. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And actually, one Milan player that he didn't mention was is Tomori, who They've got on loan. Yeah. Well, um. Oh, I think will be a will do well for them. He played well the weekend for them. Mm.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, they look like they really like him as well. I think and they'll probably take they up that option which i think Chelsea will probably regret Oh yeah, um, but yeah. um yeah he's been a good signer for them too so yeah definitely a chance for milan and yeah. uh, they're building something it looks like they're building something there which you know um their recruitment is looking pretty good so
0: yeah no yeah absolutely and i do hope they do win because it's been a long time since they have won silverware like Serie A, and um it would be an amazing achievement for the club. Uh, fallen giants to really bounce back that season. Just to just to quote, I mean, they did win 2-1 against Bologna uh, this weekend. Uh, Rebic and Kese with a penalty. was no Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, serving suspension. But then uh, Inter also beat Benevento 4-0. Lukaku with two goals. So those two going neck and neck. Also, Juventus with a 2-0 win against Sampdoria with a game in hand. And Aaron Ramsey scoring a late goal at the end in Chiesa. Uh, scoring earlier on for Juventus. And I must say that also Henry Mkhitary and top goal scorer Roma are doing not too bad in third as well. <laughs> Napoli uh, just off them in fifth, sorry. They're just uh, just off Juventus as well, but they also have a game in hand. So again, what I mean is there's a the gap of nine points between first and fifth and fourth and fifth, Juventus and Napoli both have a game in hand. So it's it's very, very close and there's a hell of a lot to play for. And I, that's why I make Serie A the league to watch this season in Europe if you just want to watch a particular league. And also I would say, just as a, as a small thing to finish off, going slightly over, PSG lost this weekend as well. 3-2, not ideal for Maurizio Pochettino at the moment. They are third, no games in hand. Mixed start to life uh, as coach of Paris Saint-Germain. I don't know. Is there anything more to say? I, I, I was. I, I, no, you can't really write, his, uh, write his, his successes now because he's not been there very long, but a lot of egos at that club, and this is a manager who's not been used to managing very many egos, so it's a bit of a culture shock, I imagine.
3: It's a very difficult club to manage, but yeah. you know, Um probably one of the hardest clubs to manage for any right. manager. Yeah, uh, because because like you say, so the egos in the dressing room, um, but also the the way the club is run. The you know the Leonardo director of football, mm. um, they pick the the club picked the transfer targets. The manager mm. doesn't really get that much of an influence. Mm. One of the reasons they sacked Thomas Tuchel is he fell out with uh, with Leonardo because Leonardo yeah. got rid of Thiago Silva, who he didn't, which he didn't want to happen. No, uh, uh, and he didn't. He wouldn't recruit the players that he wanted. Nope. He bought buyers above, above his head. Yeah, uh, And, yeah, so...
1: It's a good yeah, job Chelsea see, don't do that, man, James.
3: I th- yeah, I think PSG are actually worse than Chelsea.
1: Whoa.
3: To be honest, I think they're yeah. harder to work for than Chelsea, which is really saying something, honestly. Yeah, no. um, but, I
0: agree. I agree. Tough job <laughs> because the remit is Champions League or bust, really. And it, and it is... Uh, I mean, if you don't get... Uh, the prerequisite is to win the league. If you don't do that, then... Good luck. I mean, Unai Emery, I think, is the only manager to have failed to win the league in the past. God knows how long while under that ownership, uh, and obviously he's become a bit of a meme now after his time at Arsenal as well. Perhaps unfairly, because I think he's, um, you know, a really, really well-respected manager, particularly in Spain. But um, yeah, it's not been—we it, it didn't have his best time, I don't think, in at PSG, and also it was suff- on the on the wrong end of that infamous six-one loss to Barcelona. But that's that. Uh, slightly longer than um, fifteen minutes having you whatever roadmap of europe and yeah so that was four topics covered in 15 minutes or more apparently and yeah be sure to listen on spotify apple itunes google about 100 of those um and fo- follow the follow the twitter at which i never say follow the twitter at, at 15 mothpod 15 minutes of football podcast and yeah there'll be tweets there usually by me or someone else probably a retweet and yeah we will um we'll hopefully sh- we'll see you next week with four brand new topics and another look at a different european league so
1: take care everyone stay safe during these crazy times and i hope you enjoyed it thank you bye everyone cheers everyone